technology is overall what is going to make possible for everyone in the world to be able to follow their teams. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Tom Salomes. Great to have you joining us again this week. On today's show, we have Freda Rodriguez, Head of Digital and Emerging Technologies at CONCACAF. Freda joined CONCACAF three years ago to oversee the Digital and Emerging Technologies Department, including digital platforms, product development, digital marketing, content strategy, innovation, and all digital revenue generation activities linked to CONCACAF tournaments and events. She's got over 20 years of experience in the digital field, including with clients such as Intel, Cisco, SAP, ESPN, Avon, and Telemundo. Fred has won several awards in the digital media and interactive activation categories across both the US and Latin American market. So it's a pleasure to have her on the show today talking about the role of digital innovation and engagement with CONCACAF and obviously the massively diverse and distributed fan base that it has. As I mentioned, I'm your host, Thomas Loams from Sports Tech World Series. If you don't subscribe to our weekly newsletter, then I highly recommend you do that if you're interested in sports technology, which you're listening to me talk now, uh, so you definitely are. So sportstechworldseries.com forward slash newsletter. Sign up for that. It comes out every Thursday. Gives you a digest of the best news, uh, most interesting articles and deep dives within the industry. I'll be back at the end of the interview with a few final thoughts, but for now, here's Freda. Freda Rodriguez, Head of Digital and Emerging Technologies at CONCACAF. Great to have you on Sports Tech Feed. Hi, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. So for those uh, not in this corner of the world, uh, specifically the US and the Americas, um, can you describe a little bit about what the role of CONCACAF is and who you represent? Sure, absolutely. So CONCACAF is one of FIFA's six confederations. So we service 41 MAs or member associations, nations, and um, our role is for that servicing is we have the same mission. The, fifth, the mission is football first. So we are, um, what we do is promote football, is promote to increase the participation, is to um, also generate opportunities for those 41 nations, for their teams. So it goes from professional development to technical development to actual development of youth tournaments and, and youth play and, you know, the younger players. Yeah, so in the same way that UEFA is for, for Europe, CONCACAF is that, Correct. Or- exactly. So um, what we use are North America, the Caribbean and Central America. So it basically goes up the north from Canada to um, French Guiana in the south. So, yeah, it's, so it's, it's a big region. Yeah. So quite geographically diverse and also in terms of the, the populations, the fan base, the socioeconomic levels, the everything, the exactly. background. It's, it, it's that's, I think that's, that's the most amazing part is, the, is the, the richest, but at the same time, uh, sometimes, you know, the, the challenging part because we have very um, diverse, like you were saying, I mean, from the geographically to development-wise in every single sense from economical culturally is my favorite part it's very diverse and and that's what makes what we do very rich funny yeah. at times you know so it's, it's 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 amazing in that sense yeah and i want to dive into that a little bit um but kind of taking a step back how does because we're going to talk about fan engagement is is the main area that we're, we're talking about today and how does that differ for a confederation than from a team? I mean, there's some obvious things I can think of, but from your perspective, 
um, all those member organizations, member uh, nations and all the teams and all the different levels and all the different players that play nationally versus um, a specific team. How does, how does that alter your thinking? Yeah, when you when you are um, when you are a team, you are promoting only that team in the competition they're playing in at the moment, and you're trying to grow the fan base of the teams. You don't care about anything else. Your focus is in nothing else but that team. So that is a, a complete different game. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I guess you tailor as a team. And I'm thinking of uh, say a team like Tottenham Hotspur in the UK. Um, they had a Korean player, Sun, play for them. Um, and so when they're marketing into Korea with a global fan base, they're obviously pushing that, that player who's from there. Same as, you know, an Australian in, into the NBA, Ben Simmons or wherever else, you, you're trying to really leverage that national tie. And, and that's when you would customize what you do. But at the end of the day, you are pushing your team. And, and the you're product, pushing your, yeah, the, exactly. The, the kind of the, the value proposition or the, um, I guess, the, the connection that you're pushing is, is just your team. Whereas, as you said, that can be a little bit more difficult for a confederation where you have to be neutral um, across how you do that to still engage with the fans. Exactly. We um, basically what we do is we we show the same passion for a goal from Honduras to a goal from Jamaica to a goal from the United States or Mexico. For us, it's the same. A goal is a goal. We are happy they're playing. We're happy we're making these tournaments happen. That we're giving them opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well, a game is going to probably show everywhere that they are unhappy that they lost or uh, a goal that wasn't theirs. It's probably not important in when they are, um, you know, narrating what happened in a game. So it is very different. It's like, you know, playing for a band versus planning the concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like that analogy. So <laughs> it's kind of you're a fan of music rather than the the um yeah the particular band. Uh, it's always more like a festival, I guess, in terms of of what's going on. So, what role does technology and digital play in engaging that massively diverse fan base across, as you said, every kind of every possible metric that you want to do it: socioeconomic, cultural, geographic whatever, like just, you know, stages in terms of, um, I guess, uh, the economic strength of the teams. I Correct. mean, US women's national team versus you know, one of the women's teams in, in say, a smaller nation somewhere in the Caribbean. Um, how, do you, how do you do that? I assume that technology and data is a, a big role in that. Yeah, technology is overall what is going to make possible for everyone in the world to be able to follow their teams, right? Mm-hmm. And follow what's happening. And, and it doesn't matter if they can watch the game or not in any specific country around the world. Through technology, we're, we're going to be able to make possible that they at least know what the scores were, who advanced, what happened in a game, what's that color story that it, it may be interesting. So the role of technology is to provide that reach globally. It's not even about the 41 nations globally because you have a lot of Mexicans maybe living in Spain. You have a lot of, um, I don't know, Canadians living in Dubai, you know? So we provide technology is what enables that reach, that reach that makes possible for all of them to continue following their home teams or their clubs. So that's the main role of technology in our confederation allowing that possibility and that applies not only to my area but to broadcast 
uh, we produce all our games and, and we always try to bring the best technology possible. So those games on TV or whether they are streamed or not have the best quality. And the best quality means that it can be reached anywhere in the world where we have the rights or where we stream. So it touches everywhere. Technology is really an, an, uh, a key part of one of our first pillars that is to offer that reach and that opportunity. Yeah, I think when it's when it's done well, it's uh, democratizing. Is uh, and that, exactly. Yeah, it can be a phrase that's overused, but it's very true in the sense of the ability to just access it. Just not even exactly. talking about major fan enhancements, engagements, you know, the latest bells and whistles. Just that basic level of access. Um, and access is actually one of our pillars. So access for us is a priority because it's it's about servicing those 41 MAs and those funds anywhere in the world to provide to provide that specifically. Yeah. That access. And how do you go about rolling out, I guess? So that's that's the as you said, access, one of your pillars, the basic level, but then the bells and whistles. So if we're talking about you know, some of the, the kind of latest fan engagement tools, a lot of them are a relying or i guess um their growth is dependent on things like 5g and ultra fast internet whereas that's not that common you know for the majority of the world um so how do you i guess how do you you pick and choose what you're going to use and roll out to, to yeah, actually yeah there are things that we cannot control and we have no authority on, you know, as the, um, you know, the, the, the technology or connectivity that somebody has in a little town somewhere. What we try to do, and, and I think we touched on this before in our prior conversation, is that's why we provide an opportunity for everyone to access these games or these events or any content that we do in every single possible way. If it's YouTube, it's Facebook, it's a streaming to our website, it's a streaming to our app, it's TV, public TV, cable TV, pay-per-view, whatever opportunity we have to, again, give that access. So that's the most that we can do. You know, yeah. we can just try to make it as available as possible so that they can enjoy it based on their possibilities, but also even in the United States, in the, in the possibility of how they like it. You know, people have different preferences on how to watch a game when and how so some people prefer a tablet some other people prefer a mobile some people can resist to watch it on tv so we try to provide all these opportunities because for us what matters is that um possibility of the fan a lot following their team yeah yeah definitely so um you mentioned the kind of social platforms so youtube facebook whatever else obviously third-party providers that's where the audience is and that's where the audience lives so obviously um you need to meet that that audience that fan base there what about first party data i mean that's that's becoming probably one of the hottest topics um in the fan engagement space is the idea of yeah. actually owning the data on your fans um where does that sit in your strategy um it's basically that the um, um let's say that the spotlight of our strategy for 2021 we just launched a new website. We are launching a Roku app so for connected TV. We have our our app that also has streaming uh, capabilities. And yes, we're continually going to be supporting, and it's specifically because of that. I, we want the fan to watch it anywhere. But if we can drive them to our, our own and operated platforms, that's what we're going to do, and that's going to be the focus. But not by limiting you know, the other channels to have that access to those streams. 
but actually to capturing this data better to understand and optimize the content they like and their preferences. So what we're trying to do is with different partnerships with DMPs and, and, and all these technologies, trying to understand better our audiences, how they behave, what is that they like, no uh, personal data, it's important. What we really want is to understand if they go into the website, what is that they really want to see? What is that they spend more time? What are the articles that resonated the most? And then in different aspects, you know, when it comes to different groups, women versus men, youth versus an older generation, what is that they like? What are we trying to tell them? How do we tell them better? So that's basically the focus on, on us, you know, um, leveraging better the first, uh, our first party data. Mm. Which comes back to the point earlier about when you have such a fan, uh, diverse fan base, um, knowing more about them is incredibly important and to be able to personalize that down. Exactly. Because a lot of the assumptions are, are not that useful that you would usually have about a team if you live in, you know, you live in Liverpool and you go for Liverpool. Great. That's fantastic. You know, we know that about you. We don't really need to, you know, learn that as much more as compared to um, you could be, as you said, like an immigrant to another area, you could be have family that are involved in this. And then, um, and then also across uh, men's and women's as well. I think that's something. Exactly. Is just the assumption that well, women will just watch women's sports. Men will just watch men's sports is, is completely false. That is you know, absurd. The U.S. Women's National Team, their their jersey in 2018 or 2019 was the highest selling soccer jersey. Outsold the men's, um, outsold you know Barcelona's, outsold all that kind of stuff. So it's the kind of strength and support that people have for um, for women's sport is reflected in the the kind of the connection they have to it. So um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. So what about in terms of, um, I guess, monetizing that? Like where, where does, where's the, obviously for a, for a team, it's, you know, sell more jerseys, sell more tickets, you know, sell and then you know, increase your product and sell more sponsorship. Where does it make sense for, for CONCACAF to actually connect with these fans? It, it, is, exact, it is exactly the same, you know, um, it, through, through that, um, first party data in growing our fan base is our biggest currency. It's our biggest currency for ratings because it's our biggest currency for ticket sales, for merchandise, um, and for our sponsors. So basically, we have uh, a strong commitment to put the fan first and give them the engagement and the experiences that they want to have and that they enjoy the most to leave as much as possible what uh, football is all about. But at the same time, this is um, something that we leverage for to offer more value to all our partners. And those are our broadcasters, those are um, our sponsors and of that, because the more affinity we create with a fund, the more loyalty we're gonna have. And that's the only thing that we can actually guarantee to all these um, stakeholders. Mm. So for us, uh, fans are, are the most important um, the first thing, you know, for us is to bring that engagement to them. But at the same time, we know that if it's well done, it's only going to generate revenue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how does it work with, because again, kind of analogizing to teams, teams you have in season, you have in season, off season, you know, when they're playing, 
when they have a bit of a break and then when they're going into training and then correct and then season CONCACAF doesn't doesn't run to that so no yeah, can you explain kind of what it looks like in terms of when when tournaments are when and, and this is just maybe at the top level because obviously you've got lots of other things going on in terms of youth programs and things like that all the time but what does that exactly. actually look like well it's basically it's a never-ending season yeah because what we have is we have uh, national team competitions we have clubs competitions and then we have to split those for example those club competitions based on their um you know kind of in in per region or the development of those specific clubs so we may have a concacaf champions league during the february to may and then once that ends you know and that participates a lot of um teams from Central America, from North America, Canada, MLS, you know, from the US, all these clubs. But then we're also going to start just um, in a few days, we're going to start a, another club to, a tournament that is for the Caribbean. Yeah. We also just finished a tournament for futsal. We are going to start beach soccer next Monday. Um, and then towards the end of the year, uh, we're gonna have other national tournaments. We have right now coming in the most important tournaments that we have in terms of, you know, the um, commercially in the sense of that they're the most popular. Mm -hmm. um, that is Gold Cup that happens every two years. So Gold Cup starts on July 10th. It is my birthday, by the way. Um, okay. And also coming to Austin FC to, to sorry, Austin. Yes. Stadium. So we're yes. That That's awesome. That's great to hear that. Yeah, we're excited about Austin and playing in Austin. It's an amazing stadium. I haven't been, but I heard it's an amazing venue. So we're very excited about that. And then we have um, the uh, women's competition. We have the Women Olympic qualifiers last year um, in February, right before the pandemic. And we had we, on, we only just ended the men Olympic qualifiers. So with CONCACAF is to finish a tournament and you are already preparing for the next one. Yeah. Yeah, which Just is one we, after the other one, which from a as we're kind of is a theme that's emerging from this conversation is that it's, it's very unique in the sense of there's no off season for you, but then also the fans that comes in ebbs and flows for them because their team might not be exactly competing in, in one of the, the various tournaments or it might be their national squad is, is competing and then you know they're, they're the say MLS club or whatever it is, um, correct in the tournament. So, yeah, we, we yeah. goes back to knowing what people actually want. Like, how yeah. can you serve that up? Because otherwise, it's just this. It's drinking from a fire hose of content. It's just going. Well, here's something from the the Caribbean qualifiers for something, and then someone who's a Seattle Sounders, you know, up freezing up in Seattle, just goes. That's not. That's not for me. You know, it, it's, it's exactly. Exactly. So that's why for us, there is no seasonality because we have to continuously promote our games and, and create content and do the coverage. We do the minute by minute coverage of almost all our tournaments. We produce almost all our tournaments. So for us, there is not a season, but you're right. I mean, a fan, I, I, I come to, to learn that there are actually uh, club fans that actually not follow that much a national competition or the national team, they're very into the clubs, mm -hmm. into their club. And it is, 
it's amazing to see how you know how much passion and, and loyalty they have for that club while there are other and, and we see it even per region while they are uh, a region that is super into engaged when their national team but they don't really follow maybe some of their clubs competitions so yeah it changes but for us nothing changes you know the the amount of work and the amount of dedication and and the plans that we have to do cover all of them yeah so i mean how is how is it where's it going how's it getting better because the obvious answer is with digital and data to the point that we're at now is just the ability to gather first party data and personalize experiences to a fan based on who they are as an individual so where does it go from here? Does it just get better and better and better in terms of what you know about these fans? Or is it more you can capture more people in the sense of, you know, you start to get more and more first-party data on more of your fan base or a combination of them? It is a, com- it is a combination, I will think. Um, I think our, our KPI is always going to be to grow that fan base. Right. Um, we need to grow that fan base because it's important for the teams. It's, it's important for the following. It's important for us commercially. But at the same time, we want to get to learn and understand them better so that we can provide better content and better opportunities and better, and better experiences. So it's going to go um, hand in hand. As we grow, we hope to learn more and we, we are hoping to create you know, mapping better our audiences and understand like when we launched our CONCACAFW Instagram channel, that was in 2018, towards the end of 2018, I could tell you that we knew very little about the fan of women's football and through Instagram and their reactions and the content, they resonate. We knew the fan that goes to the stadium. We knew how the fan mm. follow their team and things like that. But it, very insightful information has been amazing through through all this content, especially the uh, behind the scenes content, those that the fans don't see on the screen or during the 90 minutes, getting those very um, intimate interviews with some of these women, players, referees, um, or ex-players even, and, and understanding what is that women want from the from women's football is beyond the 90, the 90 minutes. They want a connection, they want to understand, they want to belong. So it is amazing what you learn mm. about that and how you then make a decision between, okay, I'm going to co- focus my content plan on this type of content versus this type of content. The same woman that follows, you know, in our CONCACAFW Instagram may behave completely different when they're following a male um, national team competition. Mm. It's a completely different environment for them and they're following that for very different reasons. So it's amazing all the things that you can learn. That's why I'm looking forward and we have worked very hard into um, increasing the investment in our technology to, to get access to that first party data that give us true insights. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I mean, that's, that's, that is the benefit of social as well is even just on a, a surface level is understanding what engages, what engages with people, what doesn't, what performs, what doesn't, and then- Correct. And then being able to use that to go, well, this is the best performing content that's in, it's in addition to the game is maybe we put that on our platforms and that's the way to Correct. drive people to the first party um, owned and operated platforms. Exactly. And remember that now it's not one screen, it's second screen, it's a third screen. 
mm. right? That they find. If you give them a fourth screen, they're going to be watching the fourth screen. So basically, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand what kind of content goes into that second screen, into the third screen, to keep them more, to keep them more engaged, to keep to bring more, to extend more of that experience. For Goku, for example, we're going to have live shows. And, and we're looking forward to see that and what's going to be their reaction. What is that they they really want to see on on um, the show before the game and a show after the game and all those comments. It's like it's never enough when it comes to football for a fan. They mm -hmm. want it all. They want they want every minute. They want to know all the details. So it's very fascinating, mm -hmm. especially for in sports, because I I've been in in the same similar role for other brands. But what you see with a fan of us of football, and I imagine it's like that for every sport, it's fascinating. Mm. Yeah. It's, well, it's, I mean, in, in light of the past few months, the ideas of fans, not customers, um, that exactly I've been saying about is, is they demand to be treated like customers in the sense of the quality of the service that they get. So especially if you're owned, operated platforms, your app, your website, whatever that is, that needs to be at a level that they're used to because they're comparing it against you know, other brands, um, social platforms, whatever, exactly. uh, UI, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they think of themselves as fans though. They don't, they don't, they have this loyalty. They have this affinity. They have something a little bit wrong upstairs. I think all sports fans have that as well. <laughs> TV screen or at a stadium, hugging strangers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you yeah, yeah, it's amazing, and you generally don't do that when you like go to the local supermarket and you see that your favorite brand of absolutely cereals on special or something. You're not you're not hugging someone in the aisles. Um, there's there's something that is that brand affinity that's it's very very different. It's uh, very different. It's very deep, and in, in, in it's kind of um, also like transcends a person because then he goes into it's a whole family, it's a whole mm. culture, it's a whole group of friends and it's be, becomes part of their, who they are and their traditions and it's so important. I know I, I work with, with someone, he's part of my team, he says he's watching, he would do, he would watch all Sunday with his dad soccer games since he was two. Mm. So I bet that when he has kids, it's going to be the same tradition and mm. that goes on and on and on. So it's beautiful. They really, it's a, a, a very different experience to anything else. Yeah. And it's also something that travels with you. I mean, in terms of affinity to other brands or things like that, 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 can, that there's obviously that affinity that people have in terms of, well, oh, I love Nike, I love Adidas, whatever yeah. else. But in terms of going, well, this is my favorite sporting team, I'll move countries and I'll still be a fan of my national team or of my exactly whatever else that is. That's that's something that for the global fan base, um, and especially something as as distributors as what Concacaf's got. Um, yeah, it's it's unique to each person, each location, but it's very very uh, similar. Almost, you know, um, I'm struggling for the word, but but the same um, for how people experience it in terms of the passion and what people also want out of that, which is, as you said, is, is more content, content is personalized to them and, you know, getting behind the scenes, understanding the game, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, that's, 
that's been really good to, to chat with you today, Fred. Before we go, I'd like to finish off with one last question, which kind of perfectly segues from what we were just talking about. And what is your favorite sporting moment of all time? What is my favorite sport? Sporting moment of all time. So can be something that you've experienced in person, something you've watched on TV, can be from when you were a kid, can be, you know, it can be last week, it can be whenever it is. Doesn't have to be anything to do with CONCACAF, but. No, of course. But I, I will tell you that I think one of the most amazing moments has been um, when Christine Sinclair made the, the gold last year that made it up the worldwide record um, with more gold scores in lifetime yeah. for male and women. Yeah. It's not yeah. just for around women's football. It's yeah. in the world. And that was very amazing and very touching. It was an amazing experience um, to see that and to be able to actually cover that moment. Yeah. Um, and we have... Um, we have leveraged that moment as much as we can because it's historical. It's amazing, very yeah. touching. Yeah, I will say that 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 has been the most impactful moment for me. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that, and thanks again for your time. And looking forward to uh, to hopefully going to one of the games in Austin. I think it's going to be one of the hottest tickets in town. The US <laughs> team is playing uh, Q2 Stadium this year as well. So again, oh, that's great. So, yeah, I think uh, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll make it as far as the forecourt outside and have a drink and watch it on the screen. Um, but yeah, definitely looking forward to that and also following along um, with everything that's happening with Concacaf going forwards. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you so much for the invitation. This was fun, and yes, I hope that you can enjoy all the games and that you get to go to one of them in Austin. It should be it should be pretty fun for you too. But if I don't, I've got the app and I've got the website to to get coverage on. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. There you have it. That was Freda Rodriguez, Head of Digital and Emerging Technologies at CONCACAF. As I said at the outset of the show, uh, really interesting how they engage that diverse and distributed fan base. Uh, I think that's one of the key takeaways for me is that the ability for an organization such as CONCACAF or any other federations, leagues, kind of bigger entities that serve a much bigger fan base the role of technology is incredibly important uh, for being able to do that efficiently uh, and effectively. So thanks again to Freda for joining us. And thank you to you as the listener for, for tuning in. We'll be back in another two weeks with another episode of Sports Tech Feed. Looking forward to joining you then.